Father, this morning we just come before you and we thank you that we can stand here knowing that the Lamb of God was given in our place. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood that was shed and we thank you for the freedom that we have to stand here holy and forgiven in your eyes, Lord. We just thank you for that this morning. We pray this morning that as we hear your word, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change us and do what you need to do in us, Lord. God, we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Boy, I'd hate to think where I would be today without the cross. Thank, thank you, the Lord. All right. Uh, help me with something, and I don't mind you uh, showing that you're a lot smarter than me because that's not hard to do. Is there six or seven continents in the world? There's five? There's seven. Okay. All right. Now, Europe, right? North America, South America, Asia, Africa, Australia. I forgot about them Australians over there. All right. That's the one I couldn't. And then down there, down below, what's it called? What's it called? He said Mexico. I don't think Mexico is a continent. <laughs> I, I would pass that test. If it said, is Mexico a continent? I would say no. Uh, Antarctic or Arctic? Antarctica. Okay. There are seven continents. And this body of believers... This summer, this year, has taken the gospel to five continents. We're in the process. All right. So, now, we got South America, Brazil, and Peru. Peru's still coming. We shared the love of Jesus. The Holy Spirit went to work in both those places. A good deal. Uh, we've got... Group in Cambodia right now, Asia, and I got a text message this morning, they're already having several saved at their services and things they're doing. Amen. <clears throat> uh, now, Africa, uh, Liz's voice, Amy, my wife are going at the end of July, and Chuck and, and uh, Kimberly were there already this summer, so we've been showing the love of God in Africa. We'll be showing, we do all the time. Then you've got uh, Europe, and we just got back from Portugal. We shared the gospel with more players and more people this year than ever before. There was, I'm glad Craig's here. Craig, wave, go ahead and wave, Daddy. See you better, anyway. Craig, God used Craig to start this 11 years ago. 11 years ago, there were 120 football players at the camp. And guess what? Ten of them were girls. No, more than that, because there's about five or six girls playing flag football. But ten showed up to play tackle football. And they were tougher than some of the boys. <laughs> so that went on. There's one other place. 
We went to Canada, North America. So that covers that, doesn't it? Now, all the time, all the time, 52 days, 52 weeks in a year, we are showing the love of God with North America. We live in North Texas. We need to increase the dosage. That's, that's our assignment. That's who we are. So now the Antarctic thing. Now, I don't know exactly how to go about that. Maybe we ought to get a boat together and drive down there and get off and yell at those penguins, get saved, just in case. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? You know, you seen those penguins running, you see that show? They're, hey, you boys get saved just in case, just in case, get saved. And there are seals over there. I, I don't guess that's as funny to you as it is to me. <laughs> but isn't that a wonderful thing? And so, not planned out. The Lord don't have Australia for us yet. He may never have Australia for us. That may be somebody else's assignment. Hillsong seems to be ripping and roaring pretty good down there, so maybe we just need to get out of the way of that. But what a wonderful thing. So, so when that question arises every now and then, which arises every now and then, is the Lord at work? Is the Lord doing stuff? Yep, he sure is. He is doing stuff. We have all kinds of stories that we could share about the work of the Lord here in Alito, Aneta, Hudson Oaks, Willow Park, North Texas, at the workplaces, at the school places, at the Walmart places, all the places. The Lord is at work. There's no question about it. If you wake up in the morning and you're thinking, man, it's way too much burden, way too much difficulty, just, just take a moment and go, Lord, you're at work. My father is always at work, and I, too, am working, and plug in a little bit with that, okay? The Lord is at work. He is showing himself all over this world every single day, every single moment. He's at work. Now, I've got to do a business decision. I've got to make an executive decision that I think is very important for our church. We can no longer take more than three Springtown graduates to any one trip. Because it's more than you can bear. So they say, how do you feel? I feel good. And then what's next? You ain't got the guts. You ain't got the guts, do you? All right. All week long, all I heard was, how do you feel? I feel good. Woo! <laughs> can, can you see how old that would get? <laughs> you know I'm playing sort of. All right. Second Samuel is where we're going to talk about today. Had an interesting thing. At the, I'll just go ahead and tell this. I'll take too much time anyway. We got an uh, interesting thing at the airport with the Portuguese group. By the way, uh, through Dusty Renfro and his connection and friendship with, with Jerry Sizemore, we got to see a legend walk through the Philadelphia airport twice. It's amazing. It'd be the equivalent probably of Roger Staubach showing up at DFW. 
and it was fun. And man, the, he, they bumped that character to first class when they found out who he was. And, and they bumped Dusty with him because Dusty was his friend. And I'm sure Dusty had to say, I've got to go with him. But the look on Dusty Renfro's face when he sheepishly walks over to me with his head on. Dusty, you know, almighty Dusty. I'm blah, 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 blah. Dusty comes walking over to me and he goes, man, they bumped Jerry to first class. And, and I hate to tell you, but they bumped me too. It, I, I was sitting there going. That's really good, Dusty. If you loved me, you would sit back there in that little bitty cotton picking seat and let me go up there with him. But he didn't, and they enjoyed first class, and I'm very happy for them. But you look up on Jerry Sizemore. He's a loving, caring man, and he is a Philadelphia superstar, University of Texas All-American, and uh, he hates Dallas with a passion. And we had lots, lots of fun. We go to the airport. There's the group of us. We're on one routing number, a reference number. Now, we take all this equipment over there. There's a, a sporting goods store in Rowlett Ra or Rowlett or somewhere over yonder. And they gave us bags of hel brand new helmets. We got shoulder pads. And, we got, and it's always needed over there and stuff. And well, we got 15 Army bags or Navy bags, whatever you call those things, all lined up. And we go up, and, and Chuck talks to somebody, and Chuck lets them know that we've got a group, all in the same reference number. How do you want us to check in? Checking in with a big group with all those equipment is never fun. It always drives me crazy. It's more than my ADD can handle. Chuck was handling I was minding my own business. I wasn't doing one thing. I was just second in line. Now... This lady comes out, and she begins to negotiate the situation. She's a manager. You know how those executive managers are. They're organized people. She can't organize this. She doesn't know what to do. They don't know what to do. The guy that I'm in front of doesn't know what to do, and he's mad about it. They put Chuck over on the left, and she's a delightful lady. I hope she gets promoted, and I hope she makes a lot of money. And they put her over there, and Chuck starts checking in and checking in. And the man says to me, he says, you're checking in three bags. I said, yes, sir. He said, you only get one bag with us. I said, yep, I'm prepared. I got my, my church visa card right here. And, and I'm going to pay for all these extra bags. That's what I do. And he said, okay. He starts looking at his, his paper and he goes, I can't figure out how to charge you for your extra bags. And I respond, I don't know how to help you with that. <laughs> I've never worked for American Airlines one day in my life. I don't even know what it looks like on the other side. I don't know what he's doing. And that lady down there yells, says, we can't charge him for his extra bags. He says, I can't charge this guy for his extra bags. What are we going to do? Supervisor comes back. And she looks at the situation, and they're back and forth, back and forth. And the guy in front of me is mad. I mean, he's, I mean, I, if you're going to come across the deal, I've been on probation once. I can go again. Come on right on over. Let's get on with it right here. And, and I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm just chill. I'm just, I'm, I got the, my card in my hand. I'm showing him my card. I said, on my card, I can't pay for all this, but I can with this card. And I'm just standing there and, and ready. And the next guy comes through and 
I can't figure out how to charge for his extra bags. I don't know how to help you. They have another meeting. They have another meeting. They have another meeting. When it's all said and done, they decide that probably what's going to happen is after all the bags are checked in, then they're going to be able to charge us for all the extra bags and, and we'll pay for it. And I said, and I'm right here with my visa card, excuse me, with the church's visa card, and I'm ready to pay for it. I said, sir, I do this every year. I have the card. I hand it to the man behind the desk. He does something with it. You take money out of our account. We do it every single year. And so they get to him and said, has the last person gone through? And I looked to the left and Chuck said, yep, that's it. There's no more. And I went, all right, let's go. And he's on his going, there's no way to charge you for all those bags. Where I'm from, that means free. <laughs> she comes over, the, the other lady from over there at Chuck's Cup, the supervisor comes over and they look at that screen and they look at me, they look at that screen and they look at me and I got that card, I'm just... <laughs> and she says, everything seems to have worked out fine, have a good trip. Thank you for flying American. The guy's mad, and I said, hey, fella, will it help the rest of your day if you know what we're doing here? None of this is our stuff. We're nonprofit. We're a church. We're going on mission work, and we're taking these things to share Christ with people over there in Lisbon. Does that help? And he went, yeah, man, that kind of does help. <laughs> but he was still mad he didn't get our $1,500. So next year, I fly first class. Remember the $1,500? <laughs> Remember the $1,500. All right. All right. Second Samuel, chapter 14. You remember the story, Absalom, David. You've got Amnon, Tamar. Amnon lusts after Tamar, his sister, tricks her into making raisin cake for him. She does. He gets her all alone in his bedroom, and he rapes her. And then after he rapes her, he wants nothing to do with her. He kicks her out. Absalom finds out about it. He doesn't deal with Amnon Odin. He just lets, uh, lets, he just lets Tamar live in his house. David doesn't deal with Absalom about it. David doesn't deal with Amnon at all. A little later passes by, a couple years go by, matter of fact, and Absalom has a gig out in the country. If anybody named Absalom ever invites you to a barbecue, do not go because he has something up his sleeve. And they went out there and he gave orders and they killed Amnon. And after he killed Amnon, he then fled and he went to live with his grandpa. And he let years go by. And then David's friend, David's right-hand man, David's officer, commander, general, however you want to call him, 
he knew David's heart. And he knew that David was hurting. He knew that David was just beside himself, that he had no relationship with Absalom, and his family's a wreck. And, 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 and David is a hurting, hurting man. Now, this story tells us, deal with your hurts and your pains. Now, when I say deal with your hurts and pains, I'm not, I'm not saying get rid of them. Because it depends on the, the, the hurts and the pains that you have. That might be an impossibility. But what we as believers have to learn to do, trusting in the power of God and in, in, in the Lord, is we cannot get paralyzed by our hurts and our pains. Listen to this. If this is the only thing that you take from this lesson, other than the fact that I didn't know how many continents there were, when hurt collides with hurt, it is an explosion. Now, if you'll think about that in your world, you know that's true. When hurt and hurt meet up, there's an explosion. When two hurt people come together, it's an explosive thing. It's an explosive, explosive thing that can devastate kingdoms, as we see here. It can devastate families. It can devastate churches. It can devastate teams. It can devastate businesses. It can devastate companies. It can devastate friends. If you're not dealing with your hurt and pain, and if you're not acknowledging your hurt and pain, and if you're not aware of your hurt and pain, and you're trying to have a friendship with someone that's not dealing with their hurt and pain and their frustrations and their situations, you may get along for a while, but there's coming a day when the hurt is going to explode and you're gonna lose that friendship. I, I don't think we know how to deal with hurt and pain in today's world. I don't think we know how to deal with it. Now remember, I'm not saying don't hurt. That's an impossibility. I know many of you are going through some family hurts right now. You're, it, it's, it's more than you can deal with. It's a difficult thing. The point that God wants us to have is, is that we don't waste that hurt that that hurt becomes power, that that hurt becomes an, uh, uh, an advantage to us, and it helps us understand what really matters in life, and we go together with the hurt, understanding, recognizing, agreeing with each other that we hurt, but we allow God to do what he wants to do. It is not right for a believer to become paralyzed by hurt and pain. We miss out on what God wants. We see it all through the New Testament with the life of Paul. A lot of hurt and pain with Paul. Physical 
spiritual, friendships, emotional, every which way it hurt. So we've got to learn to deal with hurts and pains. All right. The first thing I want you to see is the very end of chapter 14. Now, Joab worked a miracle and got Absalom and David together. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last, David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. Doesn't that seem wonderful? Isn't that a great appearance? Doesn't it seem like there? it's good now? Y'all good? We good? Y'all good? We good? How many, how many times have you had a conflict with someone and, and you finally get together and you talk about the issue, you talk about the conflict, you talk about the problem, and you have a face-to-face, and, and you might even lay it all out there on the table. You say, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like this, I don't like that. And, and, and you work with it. There may be things that you can't resolve, but you reconcile. And you say, look, we're never going to agree with this. We're not going to agree with this. And the truth is, if you're going to force me to agree with this, it's a, it, we, we can't move forward. Because this, that's a non-negotiable for me. And you work through the negotiables, and you work through the non-negotiables, and you get it all settled, and, and it, you lay it all out there. And at the end, we go... All right then, we're good. We can renew our relationship. We can walk forward. We can be friends again. We can be family again. We can work together again. We can, we can move forward again. And, and you leave that meeting thinking everything is good. And then you find out two days later, he's talking about you again. He's complaining about the situation again. It wasn't good. It was, it was just a waste of energy. That's what verse 33 is. Absalom is a scoundrel. Absalom is a skunk. Absalom is, he is so mad. He is so, he's irate. He's a schemer. He's a politician. He just, he knows what he's doing. And he is setting David up. Now, poor David. Now, I don't know if David knew how many continents there were. He wasn't chosen for his intellect by God. He was chosen because he was a man after God's own heart. He knew how to shepherd. He knew how to kill bears and lions. He knew how to whoop a giant. He knew how to lead the right way sometimes. But boy, he made a lot of mistakes. And, and, and I think David left that meeting thinking all was good between him and Absalom. But it wasn't. The pain, the hurt that Absalom had was too much and pain and hurt always impacts relationships when handled incorrectly you got a sister you can't talk to 
It's because you don't know how to deal with the hurt and the pain. Or she doesn't know how to deal with the hurt and the pain. You got a longtime friend that you haven't spoken to in years. And the reason why is because of the pain and the hurt. You got a business situation that's just really a sour deal. And the reason is because the elements involved in the decision making can't deal with the hurt and the pain. You can have a sit down. You think everything is good, but it's not. It's not. And let me tell you, the greatest pain there is, the greatest hurt there is, is when you've got problems with family. Man, when you've got problems with family, it's rough. The next greatest hurt, do you believe this? The next greatest, besides the family, you know, you know what's second? The church. Because of the spiritual connection that we share. It's painful when God's people have hurts and pains and can't get along. It's painful. It hurts. And, and, and we don't understand that. Because we live in a culture where people church hop and go here and there, build relationships, and then you don't see them anymore because they got mad about the story the preacher told, you know, or what he did or didn't do, or all those kind of things, or what she didn't talk to you, or you didn't know how it works. And, 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 and the hurt's there because we're family, for God's sakes. We have hurts and pains. We have hurts and pains when there's family. It hurts. When we have hurts and pains within the body of Christ, it hurts. And we need to manage it. We need to work with it. We need to work it out. Let's talk about the spirit of Absalom. Everyone here has experienced it. And it, it, it might possibly be the case that everyone here is experiencing it right now. Now, you remember, we already know that Absalom is beautiful. He's got pretty hair. They said when they cut it, five pounds a year. That seems impossible to me, but the Bible says it, so it's got to be true, right? But, I mean, I, I can't imagine five pounds of hair. Because when I cut my beard off and I got it all in one pile, it couldn't have weighed more than an ounce. You know, maybe you guys, y'all go, maybe, maybe when y'all, some of you guys go to the hair cutter and they cut it all off, maybe they got to throw it over their shoulder and walk to the trash can, I don't know, but not with me. You know, they don't even, they don't even use a broom with me. They say the next person comes along, we'll sweep his with his. I mean, I think there's only 10 hairs came off his head. It's about a buck of hair for me to go to a haircut person. What a bad deal it is. Are you going to charge me $15 for that? That's why I don't go. After this, verse 1, Absalom bought a chariot. Remember, after what? After the meeting, after kissing David, after everything's good. After this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses, and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. What's he working on? Appearance. Today, we would say, I'm putting together a committee to see if I'm electable. I've put a discovery committee together. You know what they're doing? They're buying chariots and bodyguards to see if there's any chance they can get elected. 
Let me see if I can pull this off. Let me see if I can get some, mo some, some, some uh, momentum going here. So he hires the bodyguards and he gets the chariots. It says in verse 2, He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from. And they would tell him their tribe. He gets up early. He works hard. Every single day. He is so full of hate for David that every single day he's working this mission. He's working this. He's going to make sure it happens. People come in. Well, nice to meet you. Who are you? Where are you from? He talks to him. He makes friends with him. He's politicking. That's what a politician does. Verse 3, Then Absalom would say, You've really got a strong case here. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. Man, who's the judge? David is. David is. That's what she said. She said David was. When people tried to bow before him. Now, think about Absalom. What you know about Absalom already, think about this little thing. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. That's not Absalom-like. Absalom is egotistical. Absalom most likely is a narcissist. Absalom is full of himself. If he has a mirror, he looks at himself every day, and he goes, I'm pretty, ain't I? I'm better than everybody else. I'm the chosen one. I'm the anointed of the anointed. I've got it made. But, but when they would try to, to, to pay respect for him, to bow down him, Absalom wouldn't let them. He said, no, 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 no. Instead. He took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. You got any Absaloms in your company? You got any Absaloms in your family? You got any Absaloms on your team? They're working it. They're after something. They got an agenda working. After four years, verse 7 says, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow I made to him. David, not connecting the dots. David, thinking everything is okay. David, not believing he has a problem with Absalom. He says, for a while, your servant was at Geshur in Aram. I promised to sacrifice the Lord in Hebron if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron, but while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. 
As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. Look at verse 11. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. Politician. He could win election today. He could win it today. He, can, he has no problem lying. He's pretty. He looked good on TV. He knows how to work a, 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 a committee of, of, of organizers. He knows how to get people to do things they don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine getting 200 people to travel out in the country and they have no reason, they, they have no understanding why they're going out in the country? He did it. 200 of them. While Absalom was offering the sacrifice that he sent for Athathol, one of David's counselors who lived in Gilo, soon many others also joined Absalom. And the conspiracy gained momentum. Absalom, working it. Absalom, pretty. Absalom, conniving. Be careful of Absalom's. I, I want you to know that, that in, in my life, I've experienced the spirit of Absalom. As a pastor, I've experienced this, the spirit of Absalom. It's an ugly spirit. It's a divisive spirit. It's a destructive spirit. You're probably thinking about somebody in your company right now that is working something just like Absalom. They're, they're, they're glad-handing. They're, they're, they're doing things to, to be noticed. They say the right thing to the right people all the time. They're always there. They're always saying, if I was in charge, it would be different. If I was in charge, we wouldn't be in this problem. If I was in charge, we'd be making more money we're making now. I want you to know that if I was the pastor of the church, I wouldn't know how many continents there are. We have a, the only way I know in our, in our congregation now to have a safeguard against the spirit of Absalom. And here it is. Now, I've always had this. This is, this is my contention. When I was younger as a pastor, I witnessed personally and in other places church takeovers. Getting rid of the pastor. Getting together, clouding together, politicking, getting a bunch of people together and saying, hey, you know, we need a pretty one. It wasn't embarrassing. I brought guests the other day, and, and that goofball didn't even know how many continents there were. I mean, come on. I mean, let's get somebody that, let's get somebody that sounds better. Let's get somebody that sounds good. Let's get, let's get someone that could, will make us feel good about going to church. And, and it, it begins. And someone becomes the Absalom. They go, I, I, I really think it's time. Let's, let's start talking. Let's start doing. That, to my knowledge, that's happened three times here. 
through the years. And so I've always had this deal. Now, before we became the kind of government we are now, here was the deal. So one example, a guy was real mad at me at a business meeting. And after the business meeting was over, I walked up to him and I said, obviously you're upset about what we're doing here. He said, I most certainly am. And I said, do you think it's time for me to leave? And he put his head down and he shook and he goes, he breathed real hard. I could tell that I put him in a real bad place. And he said, yes, I do. I said, well, if you'll get enough people that agree with you, and if you'll get them together and meet with me, and, and, and if I can see that there's more than just you that want me gone, I'll head for the mesquites overnight. You'll never know I was gone. He went, you will? I went, yep. And then, a couple weeks later, I was at a Bible study meeting with a bunch of guys at R&K, and I heard the word golden parachute. I ain't never heard of a golden parachute. They didn't teach me what a golden parachute was, and they're talking about this golden parachute that guy has. And I said, wait, wait, what's a golden parachute? He said, a golden parachute is something that you put into the situation, and if you're let go, if you're fired, then it's, it's a golden parachute. It's enough money to take care of you for a while. I went, I don't have a golden parachute. I got to go get me a golden parachute. I don't have a golden parachute, so I'll just head towards the mesquites. So here's the deal that we have with the elders. I want you to know how this works. To guard ourselves against this, this Absalom conspiracy. Every year, they evaluate me. Now, we have this little process. It's on a computer. And you fill out things. You do this. And it's really hard for me to do because my grade for me is so low. I, I just go, man, you know, how do, how, do you, how do you give yourself a four? I can't, I mean, if, 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 if one is really, really bad and five is really, really good, I don't do anything really, really good. I don't do anything for a four. I can't think of any threes. And, and the best I can do is to save face and go, maybe two and a quarter. But there's not a two and a quarter on the thing. And so I put that little dot where I think it is, average at best. You know, I just do it. I go through the process, and, and, and we have an evaluation, and the elders evaluate me. Okay? Now, proof that love covers a multitude of sins, they always give me a better mark than I give myself. Yeah, he may be elder material. We can get in his... <laughs> If we could get his passport situation worked out, we may be. <laughs> That's funny right there, wasn't it? All right. So that would make him not speak up anymore for a while. We may have, there may be some of those ISIS people in the room, and we're going downtown. All right. So. All right. But we have an agreement, and here's the agreement that I've always had personally with the congregation, but now I have an official agreement with the elders. It used to be that if you could get 75% of the vote, you, could, you, could, you can fire me. That's hard to get. I knew I could get by with a lot of things for 75%. I mean, you can't get 75% of anybody agree on anything. We, they said that we, we, we uh, bathe the carpets 
here not too long ago, but the, the bather of the carpet said they won't last that much longer. We, we ain't going to have a committee to choose on what color carpet because we can't get nine, we can't get enough people to agree on any color. You can't get 75% to vote in the church. So you've, you're really pretty safe. You really got to do something really, really, really bad or they got to really, really hate you to fire you. But now we have our elders and here's the agreement. And every time we meet together and every time we do this, I just want to remind you, and they'll testify if you ask them, that if there ever comes a time when you believe that it's time for me to go, there's not going to be a problem. There's not going to be an issue. There's not going to be an Absalom spirit. I'm not going to be like Absalom. I'm not going to politic. I'm not going to try to defeat you on that. I will look at each of you and I will thank you for the opportunity I've had to serve here. And it will be the smoothest transition that you have ever seen. And I will just grab whoever will go with me. And I think Susan will. I'm not sure about Amy. She's got some stuff here. Whoever will. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got a life. You don't need me with me all the time. And, 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 and we're headed to the Mesquites. I do know I'm headed to the Mesquites. I do, I do know that. I do know that for me, heaven is going to be somewhere where there's more than one mesquite in the backyard. All right? I just, that's what I feel in my heart. I don't think I'm headed for the pines. You can't see the sun, the storm's coming. I'm headed for the mesquites. And it will be a smooth, smooth transition. Matter of fact, if you miss two weeks, you'll wonder, maybe he did get that jet in that budget. That's how, that's how, that's how much this Absalom conspiracy matters to me. Absalom, working, conniving, scheming, If that's you, you got to put it away. If you're an Absalom, you got to get right with God. You're causing lots of problems and lots of troubles. If you have conflict and hurt and pain with family because of you, you need to get right with God. It's you. If you can look at all the different conflicts that are going on in your life and you're the common thread through all those problems, you need to be right with God. Because your hurt and your pain is making you like Absalom. Hurt People hurt people. People carrying around pain cause other people to have pain. It's the way it is. Absalom is full of hurt. Absalom is full of pain. Absalom is selfish. 
Absalom has an agenda to get even. He wants to destroy others. He did not work out the problem with his dad. Was it a workable problem? It had been hard. Dude, you killed my son. Well, Dad, your son raped my daughter. You didn't do anything about it. I, I, I know, son, and, and, and I'm broken over that. We can't resolve anything. Dad, can we come to place? David should have led the way. David should have said, Absalom, we have made mistakes. We have made problems. We have caused, we have caused so much hurt and pain for each other, and, and I'm tired of it, but I want you to know that I love you, and I care about you, and, and, and you are my son, you are my family. Can we at least agree that we matter more to each other than the hurt that we have caused each other? It's called reconciling. That's what's gotta happen, y'all. That's what's gotta happen. Many of you, maybe, maybe it's okay for me to say most of you have got a hurt, a conflict, a problem, an issue, a pain with someone in your family, and it's taken you away from the very best God has for you. It may be a little thing. It may be a big thing. I mean, this is a huge thing we're dealing with here. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning if you've got a pain that is just, it's just, maybe it's not destroying, but it's hurting your family. Will you bow with me? Just let me pray with you. You know, we could, this is one of those times, so will everybody come forward and we will pray? Raise your hand if you're in a situation. I, I'm so convinced that this is everyone. Can I just pray for you? And, and will, you just, will you just close your eyes and just open your heart to God's Spirit and listen to Him and, and let Him speak to you? Father, I don't want to be like Absalom. Lord, I see the destruction. I see this, this spirit of Absalom that has caused such hardship in their family. You know, Lord, I have problem with Papa, Mama, Grandma, Grandpa, uncle, aunt, brother, sister. I have problem. I have problem with my cousin. I've got problem, Lord. Lord, I, I, I remember when the hurt happened and, and, and I just can't get over it. And it's, it's, it's eating me on the inside out. And Lord, all that I know is that only you can ease my pain and my hurt. Will you help me, Father? 
Will you help me to know what I need to know? Will you help me to learn what I need to learn? Will you help me to see what I need to see? Lord, would you give me the forgiveness that I need to have? Lord, would you, would you increase the dosage of love that needs to be increased in my life? Will you help me, God? Lord, would you help me leave today without any hint of Absalom in my life that I could move forward? And Father, for whatever reasons I've been using in my life as why I don't deal with pains and hurts, may your spirit remove. May your spirit remove. May a miracle happen in, in a family's life today. May a miracle happen. May there be reconciliation. Lord, bring people to see that they really mean more to each other than the problem. Lord, they've been focused on the problem. That's why they can't be reconciled. Help them to see that their relationship means more than the problem. And Lord, whatever the reasons are, money, embarrassment, insult, jealousy, envy, malice, unforgiveness, meanness, spite, selfishness, whatever the reason is that, that has just wedged that broken relationship. Father, may your spirit move it. Rescue a family, rescue broken hearts, rescue people today, Lord, who are broken and they are paralyzed by their hurts and their pains. They're like this family we're dealing with in the scripture. Father, second, I pray for anyone here that it's a church matter it's a church family matter. It's a church family issue, and there's brokenness. It's, there's unresolved conflict. There's unresolved issues. And Lord, your love is not honored and glorified, and you are not truly lifted up because the simple truth is we are having problem with one another. And Lord, we have not come to the place that we recognize that what you want and what you you desire for your church family means more than whatever the issue is that we might possibly be struggling with. I pray for healing if it's needed. I pray, Lord, that all those disagreements that have built up through the years, Lord, that they'll be released. Father, I, I pray for those that through the years, Father, have have abandoned your bride because they don't know, they don't like what they've experienced. Maybe they've been hurt by a pastor, a leader. 
Maybe they've been spoken to by a Sunday school teacher in a way that they took wrong. Maybe they've had someone in the church disappoint them. Oh, Lord, we're just people, and we're so frail, and, and, and Lord, we make so many mistakes. And Lord, if it's the case that, that someone is outside of serving you and honoring you and being on mission for you because of something that happened inside your bride, may it be delivered. May it be erased. Father, I'm so thankful for reconciliation. I'm so thankful, Father, that my sin that I could never, ever resolve, I could never, ever make up for. Lord, I, I could never, ever do enough good things for you to love me. That, Lord, I am reconciled through what Jesus has done for me, and I am forgiven, and it's what you have done. I pray, Lord, that same experience go all through this body in relationships, in families, in the church body. Lord, you love us unconditionally. May that love increase in our relationships. Lord, I pause and just acknowledge that what I've talked about today and what I've prayed about today, only you can do it. Jesus, thank you for your love and gift. Ushers.